The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As you begin your spiritual journey, you are often told what to do and receive advice on which path to follow. But as you move along, eventually you need to become your own guide. Progress can be difficult at times, but once you reach new levels of awareness, the inner vistas are spectacular. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your guide and companion is Giles Asselin. Come join us now on this path of exploration. Here is your host, Giles Asselin. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Giles speaking. Uh, welcome or welcome back if you listen to one of the shows previously. Uh, un petit bonsoir à ceux qui écoutent depuis la France ou depuis un pays francophone. I wanted to say a little hello in French to those listening. Uh, it's about um, 8 p.m. in France at the moment. The U.S. has moved into daylight savings time, so there's less of a gap in terms of uh, time zones for three weeks. Today, I wanted to talk about um, about the mind. How can we become the master of our mind? It's it's such a big, um, ambitious topic, and um, I'm not planning to solve the. The riddle, in a sense, of the, the the question in, in one show. It's um, it's more a question today. Is more to give us some um, avenues or you know paths to explore on your own. What is it that you want to do to to master your mind? And maybe the word master is not um, is not the right one. Like, I don't know. It's uh, it's really up to each one of us to choose what works best. Uh, based uh, according to our desires and, and our motivation, I think it's important to to, to I would say to lessen the the influence or the power of the mind in our lives, because if we keep listening to the mind, it takes us in so many different places. In the first place, I think the mind uh, wants us to be either in the past or in the future. And in the past, oftentimes the mind will take us to places that were not so so pleasant, so joyful. And um, in your life, I don't know, you may have a tendency to go back to those, you know, miserable times where you were doing this or that, or were feeling this or that. And it's like the mind wants to, to keep you prisoner of that uh, situation. When in the, in the end, it's something which is past. Uh, hopefully, it's something you have changed. And there, there's, a brighter, there's a brighter now, I think. And um, the future is the same. We don't know what the future is all about. We build it um, day by day, hour by hour, almost second by second. And so what's the point of projecting ourselves um, way into the future? I mean, we are not there yet. What really matters is, is who we are and how much we grow in, in the present. And, and um, 
in that in that vein, in a sense, I wanted to mention at least three things that we can do that you can do when it comes to to I would almost use the expression playing with the mind. It's um it's not so much of a game, but it's it's um it could be playful if you if you think about it that way. So there's one thing I think we we find in many of those uh, spiritual um, teachers and possibly gurus, when it comes to the mind, um, they often tell us that it's very important to observe the mind. Uh, I would say to listen to the mind and to see what goes for your mind. So the key point there is awareness. I mean, obviously, you have to pause. You have to take a moment of of whole, halting, uh, a moment of, of um, not being immersed into what you do. And they said, you know, what goes for my mind? You, you need to pay, we need to pay attention to what goes for this, um, I would almost call it this, this animal of our mind. And it's, uh, it's a practice. It's a practice. And it's uh, something I'm going to be talking at, at greater length, in greater length uh, during the segment today, in the segment two and segment three. Uh, I will be talking about a, a mind-observing practice uh, that I learned four or five years ago in a book called The Matter of Mind, uh, written by a, a master, an ascended master called Joel Cole, or channeled by a, a person called Kathleen Kingdon. And it's a great book that I read twice, and in it there's a, there's a chapter dealing with um, working with the mind, and that's exactly what we need to do, I think, um, providing we want to make progress and, and sort of tame uh, our minds. And so I will mention that um, it's a three-step um, practice that we can do to, to observe and to possibly redirect our yeah, redirect is a good way, the way our mind functions. And I also want to mention uh, later on the work of a, a person called uh, Byron Cathy, uh, Katie. I'm sure many, many people know this person. I think she's, I don't even know if she's based in the US or, or Canada, but she has something called The Work. And The Work is very much along the lines of what I will be talking today. It's about, it's about investigating what goes through your mind. And again, you have to be able to, to listen if your mind is too busy, is the frequency, the waves uh, are way too high, if you're just immersed into, I don't know what, but um, something that catches all your attention, then you don't pay at attention, again, to, to what goes on, to what goes through your mind, and you don't realize where your, mind's, uh, where your mind is taking you. So I think in this area, a very important um, element is awareness, you know, awareness, and you can't gain that awareness until you slow down, until you, you in a sense, you stop and smell the roses, and you, you see what goes through your mind, and you see, maybe it's something that I don't like very much, uh, maybe it's something that I would like to redirect or, or transform into something else, or maybe it's taking me to that pitiful place where I was three years ago, and I told my mind already, I don't want to go there. So what do you do to prevent your mind to, to take you there? And there's um, other things you can do, and I won't spend so much time on that uh, today, but uh, one that I already mentioned um, in great length during one of my show, maybe show number three or four, is to surrender. 
um, or to let go. I, I like the I like the word in French that we use. It's called lâcher prise, and prise means the the hold, the hold you have onto something, and it's like your mind as a, as a hold onto a thought or something that your mind wants you to do, and you just let go. You just let go of that hold, and um, the more you practice that, the more you tell your mind you're not the one in charge. Maybe something else is running the show, something more subtle, something more compassionate is running the show. And eventually, I think your mind will get the message. And you will realize over the years, uh, it takes a long time for sure, that your mind doesn't have as much power, as much uh, impact in, upon the way you live your life. And that it's possibly, um, possibly easier to control slash redirect slash transform what goes through your mind i think it's uh again it's like it's like a physical muscle that you train eventually the muscle is so strong that that it's in a sense you're building the antidote to the mind and um it takes time it takes practice and again as i said earlier on it takes motivation it takes a strong desire to to want to do this because you know that uh, eventually you won't be at the mercy of your mind and other things you can do, obviously, is to practice uh, compassion. Uh, that's obviously something that usually takes you out of out of you, in a sense, out of your being. And another thing you can practice, also, there's a lot of meditations about that, is, is gratefulness. You know, the more you feed your your being, the more you feed your mind with something, um, not only something positive, but something nourishing. You know, gratefulness is something you express to the universe to express to other people you can express that to yourself as well and it's it's i would say it's a it's a peace building activity it's a peace building element uh, that nourishes your life and i wanted to reflect a little bit on on the past few days because usually when a show is up uh, i tend to pay attention uh, quite a bit to what goes on in my mind and, you know, at times I had some interesting conversations on LinkedIn about, about the, the topic of this show. And this week I was, I was more paying attention to what went on in the house um, and what I was doing. And um, interestingly enough, on Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, I had a session with my energy coach from like 10 to 12, which went well. We did some more cleansing. And then... Um, and then I went on to do something else, um, something that had to do with uh, planning for a trip in the middle of April. And it's, um, I was you know, immersed into it, so, uh, and my mind was so happy, you know, my mind was so engaged. It was thriving in a sense, to the point that I wasn't really doing, realizing what I was doing and going from website to website. And, um, and after the fact, you know, it's always after the fact that I realized that I wasn't, what I was doing wasn't really constructive. Uh, what I was doing could have waited at least five days a week, 10 days. I mean, there was no, there was no emergency to do this. And instead, um, I could have worked on, on preparing for the show. And especially I wanted to transcribe a chapter about the, the free mind observing practice that I just mentioned. And um, instead, I sort of wasted my time doing research on the web 
And eventually I had to do the work I was supposed to do for the show later in the evening when I was much more tired. And I reflected on that. And, and um, the nice thing that came out of it, um, there was no guilt. Guilt is something, it's, uh, I would say it was an old friend. I think I mentioned that also in relation to what happened in my family and what I felt towards my, my father, not being able to protect my father. And Tuesday evening, when I reflected on what had happened in, in the afternoon, uh, there was no guilt. And it's, instead, um, there was a nice, how I call this, a, a gift. There was a gift of compassion for myself, for myself, because I was in that mode during the afternoon. And um, that's the way it was. I couldn't change Tuesday evening. I couldn't change what I had doing, but I'd been doing Tuesday afternoon. And so it was a very nice surprise to, um, to realize that at some level, I've been able to, you know, to turn things around. And I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an expression that um, Byron Katie uses, uh, to turn things around. And your, if your mind, instead of your mind working against you, in a sense, instead of your mind working to, to control you and take you further down into the abyss of, of whatever emotion, uh, whatever destructive emotion like guilt uh, could be. Um, there was a feeling, there was a, an upsurge of, of compassion for myself. And um, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, it's not the first time it happens, but when it does, um, I'm in a position now because all the training, all the self-training that I've been doing over the years, I am in a position to, to notice it and to, and to be grateful for it. And I think it's, um, it's important to be gentle with ourselves, regardless of what happens. It's important because the more gentle we are with ourselves, I think the more gentle we are with our mind as well. And I, I don't think we can, in a sense, uh, fight the mind at on. Uh, the mind is a very strong, uh, I mentioned the word animal, it seems like um, a good word to use for me today. And if you, you know, if you use force, uh, the mind will fight back and will use force as well. And in the end, um, I'm not too sure there will be a, a winner or there will be a, a conclusive slash positive end to, to the issue. So I think it's important to be gentle with ourselves and not harboring feelings of, um, of guilt, of, of distress, of, of sadness. Um, if you, if you, again, if you explore those feelings, uh, you may get a glimpse of where they are coming from. And you may realize that uh, the mind in itself, in its own, uh, in its own um, strategy, has a tendency to amplify those, those, those feelings of, of distress, of guilt, of depression, of, of sadness. And, and, um, and I was, when I was preparing for, for the show, I wrote, you know, uh, we can't afford to feed the mind with what it delights himself with. I will repeat that. We can't afford to feed the mind with what it delights himself with. And that goes to say that we can't feed the mind with, you know, negative or, or dark feelings or emotions that would again reinforce the power of the mind. And um, it feels, uh, it's almost like a, a child. A child who loves chocolate. 
And uh, the more chocolate you give to the child, the more addicted he will become to it. And in a sense, it will reinforce his, his desire to eat chocolate, uh, to go look for chocolate. And the mind works pretty much the same. You know, the more, the more fuel you give for the, to the mind uh, in terms of, in terms of um, like myself, doing things that are not necessary, uh, the happier the mind will be. At the same time, if you, if you, if you put yourself in the, now, in the now, if you, if you honor yourself and trying to put yourself um, up with uplifted feelings, I know it's not always easy, but I think the mind eventually will get the message and, um, and it will learn. It will learn that there's another, another source, another, I hate to use the word force, but there's another stream running within uh, that tends to carry us towards a more, a more positive, a more, a more fulfilling uh, life, in a sense. So it's, um, it's a journey. It's a journey to, I would say, to walk along with the mind and, and, and to have him eventually as a, as a companion. Um, obviously, we cannot break away from the mind. We need a mind to function in everyday life. And minds also do make good decisions. Uh, sometimes there's uh, emergencies or things you need to do in a hurry. Uh, and our minds can be very sharp and can be decisive. And, and I could remember a lot of instances where, um, where I was grateful that my mind was sharp enough to make the right decision and to get me out of trouble. So it's, it's almost like a double-edged, um, not so much of a double-edged sword, but a double-edged tool, maybe a double-edged bone. That's the, that's the image that comes to my double-edged swing, a swing, you know, with two ends and, and two seats, one on each side, and, and then you have to, to learn how to balance um, things. So that's what I would um, encourage you to do. Uh, I will be talking a bit more about this uh, in the next segment, but uh, obviously, you know, one thing which is not very um, uplifting, at least to me, is watching TV and watching the news. You, you see so many depressing news on TV. If you turn on the TV, especially at night, like 11 o'clock news, it's full of despair. It's full of, of accident, rapes, and whatever. I mean, and eventually this gets to you. So please stay away from any kind of... of um, of dark energy, especially when it comes through for the TV. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Are you looking to advance spiritually? Listen each week for Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom. Your host, Medium Maureen Allen, will cover an array of spiritual topics aimed to help you advance your soul's desired growth. 
Each week, areas of spirituality will be discussed and explored ranging from strange, paranormal experiences to heaven, spirit guides, and angels. To learn more about the other dimensions and how to better assist your path of evolution, tune into Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom, every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giles Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Jail again. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And um, listening about... Um, this episode about the mind, how do we work, I think um, it's a better expression than how do we become the master of our mind. I think how do we work with the mind, how do we become friend with the mind. Uh, I mentioned one, one um, metaphor um, in regards to how the mind works. You know, if you give chocolate to a child, the child will become a chocolate lover. Uh, and the more chocolate he gets or she gets, the more he or she will want. And that's, that's very much the way the, the, the mind works. And I wanted to, to mention another anecdote that came to me yesterday morning at breakfast time. Um, I tend to prepare breakfast for our child. Again, he's almost uh, four and a half. So he has a lot of things that he wants um, that he doesn't want. I mean, it changes every day, so it's kind of hard to follow. And he has a lot of things we call whims, the caprice en français. And, and so at the moment, it, it goes with uh, a little yogurt. And there's two parts in the yogurt. There's the yogurt itself. It's a strawberry yogurt. And the upper part of the yogurt is um, it's, uh, something you open, and there's sprinkles inside. And what he likes to do, of course, is to open the sprinkles and eat them by themselves, not mixing them um, with the yogurt. And it could be messy or it could be, um, I don't know, but but anyway, it's like um, it's like a whim, and it's something that uh, that he wants to do because he enjoys it, uh, and it changes from day to day, and it could be you know, leading to some kind of a messy situation. It could uh, I don't know. It could make us uh, late in a sense if we have to go somewhere. And and I was thinking of the mind, and, and the mind works pretty much the same as well. You know, the mind has a lot of whims. The, the mind expresses a lot of um, desires. And desires that are, I wouldn't call them superficial, but I would call them, they, are, they may be just unreal. Not, not based in, in the ultimate reality. I mean, it's like, you know, why do we want to eat sprinkles for... For breakfast, it's because the, the yogurt company uh, knows what kids like and they want to make their breakfast fun. And, um, and that's what they do. They put uh, sprinkles on top of their yogurt and it sells pretty well. And the kids love it. 
and the mind again works works pretty much like this and um again it's important to reflect and to pay attention to what the mind wants us to do um in my own personal experience recently i think i mentioned you know years ago i think in the last show i mentioned you know having screaming at someone on the phone you know this sudden anger at people that have disappeared over the year they went into remission in a sense and they no longer bother me but um I have sometimes, like everybody else, I become irritated by people. Oh, you know, I get annoyed. I mean, and um, another thing that, again, I mentioned is like my mind tends to send me messages that, you know, you need to do this now because, because it's urgent, because it's important. And, and if I don't pay attention, then I get into it. And then I realize later on that what I was doing wasn't so important. It's just what I was doing last uh, Tuesday. And it's almost like the, the mind is playing tricks. You know, I use the word whims, caprice en français. Um, it's very much like it. Um, there's, no, there's no real emergency, but there's the, the, the mind puts a facade in a sense. And the way it sugarcoats what it wants, uh, you, you may not realize, but um, it's empty inside. There's no real reason to rush. There's no real reason to do this right away. Uh, there's no emergency. Um, you know, let's take a moment, pause a little bit, and realize what is important to you in the no moment. I mean, obviously, you know, we have to do the dishes. We have to take the garbage out. We have to cook for our families. We have to go shopping. There's things we do on a regular and mundane basis that allows um, all of us, all of our families to function. But on a, on a more slash um, spiritual basis, you know, what is it that we need to do? Um, it has to go, it has to do, it is connected with, uh, with last week's show, you know, uh, how can we connect with the heart um, and not so much uh, listen to what the mind wants us to do? And so um, that's what I would uh, encourage you to do. I, I said initially, you know, we need to observe, we need to listen, we need to pay attention to what the minds, the kind of messages that the minds um, sends us. And that's um, that's give me a nice a nice connection, a nice segue to the um, the mind observing practice that I mentioned initially, coming from. Um, from a book called The Matter of Mind, uh, written by Master Joao Cole in connection with, in a relation with uh, Kathleen Kingdon. And that's pretty much what he um, advises us to do, you know, to, to pay attention to what goes through our minds and then, and then try to transform it. Um, I just want to, to quote one, um, one paragraph here. It's from page uh, 31 on the book, and it's called Getting to Genuine Authenticity. And, and it says, the assignment, of course, is getting to genuine authenticity. There are many, many meditation techniques that make invaluable contributions, but real path, the real path is ruthless, and I do mean ruthless self-examination. Such is how you penetrate your wounded psyche beyond even the most subtle of projections. 
you find yourself simply residing in a state of I don't know. Although many fear this condition, it can be quite exhilarating since all those projections you've been carrying are amazingly heavy. A state of buoyancy, both physically and emotionally, arises when you let the projections go. And the projections, it's a, it's a term you hear fairly often. It's uh, what I was uh, mentioning initially, that the mind has a tendency to take us either in the past or in the future. And the future especially, we don't know what the future is, is going to be all about. So then the mind projects an image or a thought, a thought image into your, into your, your screen in a sense. And you visualize the future as you know, something bleak or something uh, stressful, or something uh, dark, you know, and that's, that's the kind of, uh, of technique that the, the mind is using to, to project things onto the screen of our lives. And um, again, we have to be very careful with what the mind does and trying to, in a sense, uh, short-circuit what, um, what it does. So this, this free mind, um, this mind observing practice, I call it free mind observing practice because there's three different kinds of practices. And um, in, the, in the advice that the author gives and um, the working with the mind, you use one of them each day. So in a sense, you can work on a Monday, you use one. On Tuesday, you use the second one. And on Wednesday, you use the third one. And these... Um, I will just give you the name first, but these are altruistic thought, all-embracing compassion, and transcendent wisdom. So you use, you know, on Monday, you use altruistic thought. On Tuesday, you use all-embracing compassion. And then on Wednesday, transcendent wisdom. And you repeat that for another three days. And then on Sunday, if you want, you can take a break and then um, do that again on on. Um, on Monday. And these are not coming just out of uh, nowhere. Uh, this is the advice that uh, a Buddhist scholar was giving his students uh, in the second century of our common era. Uh, the guys, the, the Buddhist scholar's name was Nagarjuna, Nagarjuna, and is um, one of the sages, in a sense, who uh, created a branch of Mahayana Buddhism. Um, Buddhism built on, on compassion for, for others. And that's what he taught his, uh, his students, that um, it was possible to, to get out of what we call um, samsara, what the Buddhists call samsara, which is the, the realm of chaotic confusion, suffering, and repetitive patterns. And it's very much what I've been describing so far, you know, where the mind takes you, when it feels pretty uh, uncomfortable, uh, sad, um, when you think about repetitive patterns, you know, you, you think about spinning your wheels. Uh, and I've been there quite a few times, not lately, fortunately, but I've been there quite a few times. And it's, uh, it's not easy to get out of this cycle. And, um, and Nagarjuna, Nagarjuna said, one, when one cuts through appearances, because all of these are appearances, they are not really real, they are like screens appearing uh, on our lives. When one cuts through appearances, however, one discovers nirvana, or the so-called pure land, which is nothing more than essence meeting essence, and the recognition of the divine residing in everything. But definitely there's a lot of veils, a lot of layers, 
that are covering the, the divine within us. And what this uh, three-step practice does is to take us through the different layers. And um, I read the book, I read the, I read the book about twice. Um, but the first time must have been about four years ago. And when I came to this chapter, Working with the Mind, I was very curious about the meditation. And I, I did it. I, you know, the author advises uh, to do it over at least a month, um, you know, four full weeks, and then see what happens. Uh, and the change that you experience is pretty, uh, I wouldn't say phenomenal, but pretty, pretty interesting. Phenomenal, if you wish. But um, because, again, what happens is that the mind slow, slows down and you have more, more of an outsider's perspective on what goes through your mind. And that is very essential. What the mind wants in order to play tricks on you, it wants to, to go as fast as possible. It doesn't want any gaps. The gaps are dangerous for the mind because the gaps... The gaps allow you to see the light, in a sense. The gaps allow you to see the lights between the thoughts and between the, you know, the path where the mind wants to take you. Uh, the gaps are a place for us to breathe, in a sense. To breathe and get some sort of a respite. And it's interesting if you just take the first, uh, they call it energy field. So these three things, these three practices uh, comprise what they call energy fields because it generates um, a special kind of consciousness within you. And that consciousness is obviously, when you think about altruistic thought, when you think about all-embracing compassion, when you think about transcendent wisdom, it takes you to a much higher level than just thinking about criticizing your neighbor or arguing with your coworker. Um, that is very obvious, you know, that you don't go the same path. In a sense, you're taking a lift, but the lift goes up. It doesn't go down. And, and that's what the training of the mind is all about. It's, about. it's about, again, turning things around. And so with altruistic thought, um, you just, you know, set your mind on, on, on something altruistic, on something uh, for the benefit of others something that can take you to a higher level. And what is very important is that you, you pay attention to what goes through your mind. And at the very beginning, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to stop and think about your thinking. And it's, uh, it's like gymnastics in a sense. The more we practice, the better we get at it. And the more skilled we become. And eventually, I would say after a week or two, um, you start to enjoy, you start to get a kick out of the exercise because you realize that uh, it's very beneficial to your life. You know, Not only the fact that uh, you're thinking about someone else in an altruistic way, uh, you're thinking good thoughts, you know, you're watering the, the ground of your life with um, with fertilizers with, with positive um, elements that are, are going to take you in a in a higher position but uh, what you also realize is again I said that is that your mind tends to slow down and you tend to I have to use the word tend to master your mind more easily than when it goes without uh, any limitations 
and and you realize that um, the mind is not all about thinking linearly. You know, we tend to think in a linear fashion, in a step by step. You know, what goes on A, B, C, D, E. And when you go to that higher level that the author calls essence mind, uh, which is, I think, closer to the notion of higher self or to the notion of soul, then you realize that you know something else is at work, something else, something else which is uh, which is uplifting, and um, it's a place where you can start, you know, seeking liberation for yourself, liberation from the the clouds, from the the clouds is a, a word of your mind, you know, what the mind does to you, and when. Um, what you want to get out of, in a sense. And uh, I wanted to, to quote a little thing in here. From the most and darkened corner within the threatened psyche, one can earnestly seek to create an enlightened world for the benefit of all beings at all levels of awareness. Such is precisely what Nagarjuna had in mind. It is something like children giving away marbles. It is easy to give a marble to a friend who has to a friend who has none when one's own pockets are full of marbles. However, it is quite another thing to give a marble when in one's pocket there is only one marble. And that's, that's how we practice, you know, altruism. And that's how we practice, you know, giving of ourselves. It doesn't have to be um, giving something. It doesn't have to be something tangible. It's a question of giving a thought of giving, you know, of, of conveying some energy to someone else. And it can be in the process, it could be turning something around, something like someone who comes to mind, it would be our neighbor. Uh, we have a neighbor that we don't hold in very high um, opinion because things tend to be a little messy around his house. Uh, and sometimes there's a bit of garbage here and there. And, and, and the mind will you know, send me down the path of criticizing and judging the neighbor because this and because that. And in the end, it's, um, it's a very slippery rope, in a sense, sort of a slippery slope. Because the more we do this, um, the more we will most likely do it in the future. And this altruistic thought practice, um, again, is taking our mind in a very different direction a direction which is uh, uplifting and, and beneficial, not only to my neighbor because of the positive energy that I send him, but most essentially it is beneficial to myself. And that's what we want, I guess. We want to, again, turn things around. We want to harvest in the end um, the most beautiful thing we can for ourselves and for, for the world, for, for humanity. And so in the next uh, segment, I will talk a little bit more about uh, all-embracing compassion and transcendent uh, wisdom. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders, answering the higher calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giles Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello, this is Jill again. Thank you very much for listening, for being there today, or for listening on demand. Um, I was talking about um, the three mind-observing practices um, coming from the book The Matter of Mind. The first one being altruistic thought. The second one, uh, all-embracing compassion. And the third one, uh, transcendent wisdom. So I wanted to say a bit more about all-embracing compassion. We can be a very high-level, as you can imagine, a high-level um, state. Um, according to Nagarjuna, again, the, the founder of this branch of Buddhism, he said that uh, holding the field of all-embracing compassion means that you can see the suffering of the means that you can see the suffering of the other person before you notice your own. And I think it's. Um, it's a very, again, very advanced state. You can see the other people's suffering before you start noticing your own suffering. And um, it says all-embracing compassion is, of course, an experiential field that is carried with an individual at all times. Again, it's an energy field. This means that the compassion is not directional. It's not from self to another person. But it is a state of consciousness that extends equally to all beings, including oneself. As such, its presence affords solid moral conduct, which is continually subject to deeper and deeper investigation. And um, it's not, I'm not saying it's easy to get there, but the more you practice this, this kind of compassion, you know, if you do it twice a week on, on Tuesday and then on, on Friday, and everything that goes to your mind, you make sure that it meets the standards, quote unquote, the standards of, of all embracing compassion. You know, everyone you see around you, 
you embrace them with your own state of compassion. And what does it mean? You know, what thought comes out of this, um, this level of compassion? Uh, again, thinking bad about what happened to me on Tuesday evening, uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see that you know, at some level I was feeling compassion for myself, despite the fact that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do in the afternoon. And it's, it's something that takes practice, and, and at this level, the mind doesn't have a hold on, on, on what, you know, what it tells you to do. By, by practicing this all-embracing compassion, you, you eventually replace, it's like you, you have a new groove within yourself and that has been filled with compassion and with you know, benevolent um, feelings towards others. And not so much criticism towards yourself or towards other people. And it's like you have to almost to rewire. It's not so much your brain, but rewire your, the way the, the mind you know, works. And it's, it's very interesting because uh, at this level of, of, of practicing or embracing compassion, uh, the author starts talking about uh, what it means to kill. And obviously, we know what it is to kill uh, an animal or a human being, but in a more subtle, in a more spiritual way, it goes into, you know, what does it mean to kill, to kill someone else's joy? Um, I'm going to read a couple sentences in here. But if compassion is truly all-embracing, one's personal investigation might take one to the more subtle levels of killing, asking, have I ever killed someone else's joy? Remembering what it may have felt like to have had the experience of another killing your joy, you can readily see such a viable example of killing, although no person or animal loses its life. And I think, again, practicing this kind of compassion for self and for others, for all the sentient beings in the universe, uh, takes you on a different path. And I remember when I was uh, doing this practice three or four years ago, at some point, um, I started remembering a situation uh, where I killed someone else's joy. And I may have been um, maybe 10 or 12 years old at the most, and I was in a summer camp. And at night, we had you know, shows put together by people, you know, summer camps, attendees in a sense, people were our age, and they were working with a chaperone, and there was... Um, there was one scenario, a short play, and um, that took place. I won't give you all the details. I guess it's not necessary, but I, I, knew, I knew the last words because I was there when they were rehearsing. And um, they were doing their play. And right before the final sentence, they were asking a question, and one was supposed to, you know, to give the response, which was a good response. And a response came out of my mouth. And in a sense, I, I screwed up their play. And um, it's not a big deal, you know, 10, 12 year old. I mean, people realize, uh, grown-ups realize what goes on. And I don't think I got scolded. But um, I quickly realized what I was doing. And um, at the time, you know, um, I didn't put the words in a sense that I was killing someone else's joy. But I, I was killing so, something spiritual in a sense. And this, it's interesting, this example stuck in my mind. And I'm sure for a good amount of time, I also felt some guilt about it. it it's, 
it's obvious. But I think it's such, at the same time, when you start turning things around, it is such a beautiful example of something that can happen that is teaching you a lesson. And it's such a small thing. Fortunately, there wasn't much damage down the road. Possibly it's a couple, you know, kids my age were upset. But that was, that was about it. And it's a lesson. It's, it's, a, it's a very valuable lesson for, for the rest of my life. And I'm definitely grateful for it. So, you know, when we get to that level of practicing compassion, uh, new questions come to mind. And, and, um, and that's what, you know, the author says here again, the compassion with Nagarjuna addressed is so pervasive as to soften everything, even the perception of failure regarding one's own goodness. You know, when we, we don't meet our own standards, often it's the case. We have a tendency to self-criticize. And, and because of this implant, I mean, I will call it an implant, but the, the, the metaphor that comes to mind is wheat. You know, when we plant the wheat, I don't know exactly when we plant it, maybe in the fall, what comes out eventually the next summer is a very beautiful uh, plant um, that allows us to make flour in a sense. And, um, you know, compassion is something you can implant in your life and it's very, very powerful. So that was the second practice. And the third one, which is a bit more, a bit more subtle, even more subtle, is, is called transcendent wisdom. And um, this one is, again, it's, it's, a, it's a, a bit of a higher level. By the term transcendent, Nagarjuna was speaking of wisdom so discerning as to be utterly free of the notion of duality. And duality is duality between self and others. You know, we know that at a spiritual level, we know, at least I heard it so many times, that we are one. You know, the, this notion of oneness is, is who we are. And yes, in the first place, we are, we are all physical bodies in the first place. That's our first uh, way of relating to the world. Because we, we live in a material world where there's so many tangible things that the first I we refer to is the high of my body, you know, high of my, the physical, the physical space I occupy in a sense. And uh, all the organs that make my, my eye function on a physical, um, so it's hard to get out of this notion that I'm only an eye and that we are at a higher level a we. And um, so this idea of, of using transcendent wisdom in, in the third practice is again to listen to your thoughts and, and to see what comes, uh, what comes out of those thoughts and, uh, and realize that eventually everything that is attached to the thought is empty. You know, if there's a situation attached to the thought and what does this situation represent? Not much. So it's, it's, a, it's a practice at this level to to clear your mind and to realize that a lot of things that we attach importance to um, don't have so much uh, importance. And here also it says, if you continue to investigate the mind little by little, you come to have experiences that in fact demonstrate that your experiential reality is not real at all. Clearly you do experience it at a conventional level, material level, 
But you also see that the, conventional, the conventionally agreed upon reality is a deception or an illusion. You find yourself experiencing in a conventional reality fraught with predicaments that perhaps make you feel very small by comparison. Ego convinces you that you are not up to the work before you, and perhaps you collapse in a moment of despair. So again, it's a, it's a practice. It's take time. I think it's also a way to, to redirect uh, the mind, as I um, mentioned earlier on. If the mind takes you to some uh, dark path, um, you know, harboring feelings of anger, of irritation, try this practice, this three-day practice of altruistic thought, all-embracing compassion, and then transcendent wisdom, and see what it does to your life. See how you, um, you change. And um, since uh, you, some of you may want more information about this, I will, I will put uh, the whole chapter. It's about nine pages long. I will put the whole chapter on my, on my blog. It's called, uh, my blog address again, it's called Nurturing the Gift of Seeking. Again, in one word, nurturingthegiftofseeking.org. And the chapter is called Working with the Mind. And the, the last thing I wanted to mention for today uh, is the work of a person um, called uh, Byron Katie. I mentioned her name initially. Her first name is called B-Y-R-O-N. And uh, her last name is called Katie, K-A-T-I-E. And she has something called The Work. And it's very much along the same line. It's about investigating what your mind goes through, what goes within your mind, and what you do with what goes within your mind. And um, she has a website. The website uh, address is thework.com. It's very simple. Thework.com and slash do the work. And what is the work? It's a, it's a simple yet powerful process of inquiry that teaches you to identify and question the thoughts that cause all the suffering in the world. It's a way to understand what's hurting you and to address the cause of your problems with clarity. In its most basic form, the world consists of four questions and the turnarounds. I mentioned the, the turnarounds um, earlier on, you know, you turn your mind in a different direction. And the four questions she has are very easy. Uh, she will take you for a questionnaire. It's called the Judge Your Neighbor Questionnaire or Worksheet. And then for each statement that you make about your neighbor, she has four questions. The first one is, is it true? The second one is says, uh, can you absolutely know that it is true? The third one is, how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? And the fourth one is, who would you be without the thought? And it's, it's again, it's, a, it's an exercise, it's a practice. And it's um, just like what I mentioned with this uh, free, free day practice of, of the mind, it's an exercise. It's, it's a way of repatterning your mind. And that's, that's how we can become, in a sense, the master of our minds. I think it's very important to, to keep getting at it, to keep getting at questioning what comes through or what comes out of our mind. Uh, keeps getting at the nature of what we, we observe, you know, why is it the way it is? Um, it takes a lot of detective work. 
And, and I can guarantee you, if you do this work, that eventually things will change. And I think it's important also to, to ask those questions to whomever you pray to or worship. And uh, usually when I ask questions to the universe, I usually get an answer. I get some form of support. So I would encourage you to do the same and, and um, to go into that path and, and go into that path of rewiring or redirecting your mind. So thank you very much and uh, good luck with the work. And I will uh, happily see you next week. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giles Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again.